Hello everyone, you are listening to Build Back Better Caribbean, an audio space where Caribbean civil society share, in their own words, their experiences, ideas and perspectives for creating a more resilient and sustainable Caribbean future. So today we're welcoming to the space Maria O'Brien from the MindWise Project. Welcome Maria. Well, uh, thank you so much for that welcome, Lindianne. You know, we are so proud to be here with UNIC uh, and so proud to be a civil society partner. Um, looking forward to all of the amazing things that we'll discuss today on how to help people build back better. We are in May, which is uh, has been designated Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, and I know that the MindWise Project, your arena, your, your sphere is definitely mental health, but it goes so far beyond the scope of just awareness. So I, I thought it would be great, it would be ideal if, if you could provide us, the audience, with a sense of, um, you know, a little introduction into what your organization is, what it does, um, and what are you adding or what are you hoping to add to this, to the local mental health ecosystem? Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for that question. Um, so uh, this this statement came from a collaboration between myself and Arnaldo James, one of my co-directors, and it's on our website, and I'm just going to read it out. MindWise Project is a nonprofit organization improving access to mental health resources in Trinidad and Tobago. They are, we are health advocates who enhance public awareness through educational content curation, information curation, and distribution. And of course, increasing public accessibility to mental health resources. Uh, so I feel like kind of sums it up in a nutshell. And um, the main idea behind everything that we do is sustainability. Um, we believe in starting projects that have a finite end and that have a sustainable future. So we have been focusing on creating systems that will allow for, say, for example, the Building Sustainable Mind series has now turned into an internship program with UE. Um, so the university students, along with very possibly some high school students who have reached out to us, might be creating the future content for Building Sustainable Minds, which will become its own content platform. Yeah, And then we have um, findcarett.com which is a perfect example of increasing public accessibility to mental health resources. However, the sustainability in that is that it's connected to the mental health and psychosocial support network of Trinidad and Tobago. And that network is who the directory serves. And through their work, as they grow, as they expand, whatever it is they want to utilize the directory to do, that is how the directory stays alive. And, and this directory is, is being um, charged with the, you know, the work of people like the Trans Tobago Red Cross. Um, uh, you have the Office of the Prime Minister. You have Childline. You have Lifeline. Um, you also have all of the regional health authorities are on this platform. And they send us updates when they change office numbers or if they change locations or if they have new, you know, um, new services to add. Um, but basically what we do at the heart of it, as I mentioned, is sustainability planning and design. Um, we're interested in projects that uh, serve, fill gaps, that fill a gap. For example, there's a lot of gaps. One of the gaps that we're working on right now is the suicide prevention resource gap. So we are building another resource, very much like Find KTT, but a slightly different for this particular cause because suicide is a little bit 
more of a human connection that is necessary for that information to be received. When someone who is suicidal goes to a platform, they need they need a special type of hand holding to gu- to be guided to what they need. You know, so um, so we utilize digital, we utilize creativity and design to help individual gaps be filled, and that that's what, that's what we're trying to do. Several things jumped out at me, definitely. Um, the importance of that local content, um, getting that that information that that is so important for your local audiences to know exactly what's going on in the space and mat- being able to match those who need these resources, um, allowing them to be able to, to find them as easily as possible. Um, and the fact that y'all are using, uh, leveraging technology technology and digital resources so is it that within mindwise project you all have that that capacity because we heard um arnaldo's amazing description of what mindwise is you all are like a collective of of not just mental health advocates but um like a hybrid of of of, of something else mm-hmm. yeah and i actually think it's one of those things that has made us um very welcome. People have welcome, welcomed us into spaces that um, we're, we're relatively like the new kid on the block, you know, um, but we've been welcomed into administrative spaces, into strategic spaces because of our digital and um, creativity focus, you know. So we do believe that uh, design, uh, implementing concepts behind successful design, successful communication design, um information design which is what fine care is is information design yeah um implementing these very simple best practices into sustainability practice into social innovation and especially into emergency response can be very powerful a perfect example was when we had the morning after the state of emergency announcement right and we had several people including myself who almost ended up around the savannah because there wasn't an, they literally were circulating a, a screenshot or maybe a screen grab from the actual bill itself. And that's written in Times New Roman. It's very, there's no, there's no formatting in it um, that is for easy, easy digestion of information. So you had several people who were walking like normal around the savannah because they had no idea because the last lockdown we were allowed to do public exercise but in not in groups so like you could have one person with you so we thought it was the same so myself and um my my friend that i go walking with we were we were like getting dressed and i was like "Mm, let me check this uh, message from the office of the parliament and see what it says um so yeah so information design um graphic design communication design these things matter and i think bringing that to these conversations where you're talking about crisis response mental health intervention just just basically we had a conversation yesterday with the mhpss network where i was telling them one of the ways that you can really improve the coordination of all this information is to link back to fine care right so and that's just a simple that is communication design you know, you just kind of bring everything back to one central point. Even though you're pushing your individual individual actions, let us bring it all back home so that we make sure that everyone can access what it is you're talking about. Yeah. 
So Maria, let's explore a little bit what Fine Care TT is, because it would be great for us to to get a sense of what the project is, what gap it's it's filling specifically, and and tell me a little bit too about the role that COVID nineteen, the COVID nineteen pandemic context played in in eventually getting this project to where it is right now. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, you know, it's so funny. Something came up this week that made me have to remember the entire history behind Fine Care. Yeah. And not just Fine Care, TT.com, but this National Mental Health Services Directory Project. Um, it's something on MindWise. Has, it has been one of our goals since our inception to do a National Mental Health Services Directory just because of our personal experiences as, as the board of directors in finding help. Yeah. Um, myself as well as a PTSD patient, it was very difficult to find pathways to support um, uh, digitally. And of course, digital domain is where I live. So I found that very puzzling, um, but also I found it as a something I can help with. So since I've been back home, I've been participating in those discussions. Uh, we started MindWise. We started meeting with um, PAHO, WHO, and the Ministry of Health to talk about, because they were such important parts of what we had envisioned. Um, a single nonprofit or a single organization putting out a resource without the support of PAHO and the Ministry of Health, it, was, it, would, it would challenge that organization to gain the trust of the public. Yeah? Uh, and, it, it, and trust is an important part of healthcare, as we all know. If you don't trust the information that's being presented to you or where it's coming from, then you are less likely to seek the care that is that is needed for you to improve your life, improve someone else's life, or maybe save a life, right? Um, and that goes for physical health care and mental health care, which we have learned now are intrinsically connected. Thanks to COVID-19, a lot of people have become extraordinarily aware of the connection between our physical health and our mental health and our ability to go from day to day. I've had um, friends who are mothers call me who were suicidal and they didn't know what to do with it because they had never been suicidal before. But their stress levels, their stress levels were so high and every day it was an onslaught. They don't get to hit pause. So it, this is a situation talking about COVID nineteen. Let's focus on. Let's focus on this audience because I think it tells you whole story what what mothers are going through right now. Yeah, this brings me to how FindCareTT.com works. Okay, so FindCareTT.com, as I mentioned, is the National Mental Health Mental Health and Psychosocial Support Directory of Services for Trinidad and Tobago, and it really focuses on emergency and crisis mental health resources that are being that, that are being offered to the public for free. Um, it was a decision by the technical working group of Trinidad and Tobago's MHPSS network to make sure that all the services on findcarett.com are free because they didn't want anyone coming to the website and then thinking they found help and then in halfway through that discover that they have to pay for that help, right? So one, it's a free resource. Two, it's free services on this resource. And the, the other part of it is that we match the services with target populations. So say, for example, if the target population is someone who's suicidal, someone who's bipolar, someone who is um, struggling with uh, a person who has dementia or struggling as a caretaker. And of course, the most recently publicized struggle, the struggle of healthcare workers in our COVID-19 pandemic. 
Um, we are now, we have categories created for them. And as the services are sent to us, so we recently put out a call to the MHBSS network. Um, if you are offering services specific to healthcare workers, send it to us. We then, as the technical working group, um, we have a board uh, that reviews all of the submissions of services. So there's a lot of structure to the distribution of fine care, which brings me back to the sustainability. And the idea is that someone can go to it and say, um, I'm, I, I would like to find someone to help me with uh, treatment, or um, I am traumatized, or whatever the case is, and they can start a search with that, and it will match them to a list of resources that have those keywords in them. Now, no system is perfect, but we do expect that this very simple system, because the information design is simple, um, is very scalable. And not only scalable, it's very duplicable. So what we're hoping um, is that to, to duplicate the success of fine care to other countries that also have their own MHPSS networks. The oldest MHPSS network that I was told of was the one in the Bahamas. You remember when Bahamas had their terrible disaster. So this is a disaster response framework in mental health um, and psychosocial support framework is in response to emergencies so it's so COVID-19 is just one type of emergency a pandemic so Maria two things I wanted to just get a little bit more feedback from you before we before we close because this has been I mean this conversation could probably last the entire day it's so interesting one you were saying that you the idea is to to duplicate the system, um, this type of access to other countries. Um, are you talking about countries in the region? Yeah. Um, well, actually, we're hoping, we're, what, from our experience, because we've been doing several trainings within the MHBSS as MindWise Project, um, uh, it seems that this there is a gap. You know, we like to fill gaps. There is a gap with the amount of technology that is supporting the activities of the MHBSS. So um, hopefully, yes, the region, Trinidad and Tobago is my number one um, uh, as MindWise Project, as the lead on fine care. Um, Trinidad and Tobago is my number one area that I'm focusing on to make sure that it's successful. However, we do have other countries that need something like this right away. We've been, we've been reached out to by other Caribbean countries to see that if it could be implemented there. So what we're doing is that we're trying to create um, the necessary research one and also making sure that it's done well. You know, like we have a very successful um, project launch that has happened here, but this is not this is not necessarily something that we could just, you know, stamp and copy in another country because there's such a human aspect behind it. So we need to make it simpler so, so that in the event that their human organization isn't where ours was, because our TWG is very connected. We all show up every two weeks. Um, people who don't show up respond via email. We're very in connected. We're very responsive. That's what we mean when we say duplicating it. I would really would love to see fine care in Guyana, in Jamaica, where they're having serious problems with their COVID-19 numbers. Um, seeing fine care in Suriname, and then of course extending, you know, we have translation on the site. So we can easily duplicate the site to other countries where it can translate into whatever languages that they need, you know. So um, we're look, it's a very exciting opportunity to 
Because what automatically happens when there is a fine care, based on what we are seeing here, is that there are human elements that come together, like the approval board, right? Like they realize that there needs to be an in-person group that validates these submissions. And the fact that that manifested out of this, and to be honest, I don't know of any other group that is validating mental health services um, to be published in Trinidad and Tobago right now. So I actually think this might be an inaugural type of approval board. Um, granted, it's just the directory. However, it speaks to a much, much greater growth of administration, of oversight, that I think um, is very exciting. So, yeah. You know, you, you spoke about MindWise Project being the new killer on the block in terms of, you know, being part of the civil society space in Trinidad and Tobago. And that's that's something that kind of sparks my interest because um, it's it's probably a little rare to hear about um, a civil society organization that, that speaks of itself in that way in terms of its newness and so on and, and wearing it with a badge of honor, which is exciting because it means that you have the, the advantage of perspective, being able to come onto the scene and see what there is and probably with fresh eyes and, and be able to see what, what could happen and so on. So Trinidad and Tobago, you know, we are under the state of emergency for an undefined period. We're working within a, a, a pandemic context, which we have to adapt to. And, and as civil society organizations, you all are, are pretty much leading the charge in terms of not just adapting to it, but seeing the possibilities that can come out of it, you know, for us to, and I'm going to say, build back better. <laughs> so, um, what I wanted to know from your perspective is how are you seeing the civil society space evolving? What what parts of it do you feel are ripe for change, for, for growth, um, to be able to, to respond in this way, for, for civil society to really occupy its space in terms of leading the charge to build back better? So um, I I want to say that the concept of being a civil society leader was very new to me before, uh, you know, MindWise Project, before I was a youth leader or I was, you know, but then being invited as a civil society partner, I was like, what does this mean? You know what I mean? Um, I do think the role of civil society in the Sustainable Development Goals, um, it, I think the fact that the United Nations acknowledged that from really early in the onset has been a very powerful statement to the world. Um, having civil society partners, you almost make us ambassadors, you know, so you kind of, you kind of also give, you charge us with the energy to say, um, we acknowledge the work that you're doing in this space, and we want to kind of give you the platform to take it further, you know, even if it's just to say that you're one of our acknowledged civil society partners. And of course, we, the, honor, the ones who aren't necessarily part of the group can always apply. I know that you have um, a system that you are opening up for that for people who would like to apply to become civil society partners, which is very exciting and sustainable, right? So we have we have a responsibility, I think, and I think what's happening with COVID-19 um, is really making it very visible. Uh, in civil society, I think a, a lot of what happens is activist ac actions being executed in, in silos, right? And I think I may have mentioned this before um, uh, in some other interview, but for, for example, 
if people are sharing all of these activities, I think a lot of times they have been physical activities. So like you go to someone's event and then maybe you hit one or two events in the same evening, you know what I mean? And you're kind of like, oh, this was fun, it was great. The social activity, there was a very social aspect to how civil society was running, it's um, executing its interventions, right? Um, however, now that everything is online, what this is turning into is a storm of intervention, right? And we have like things coming at us from all over. You have people sending you images, to Zoom meetings and online trainings and new things that are being launched and um, you just can't make any, any sense out of all of it. So what do you do? You, you put it in some shelf in the back of your head and you hope to God that you remember it. I can't tell you how many um, tabs I have open on my Google Chrome right now because I just don't want to forget. Like, I'm like, I'm just gonna leave it open and hope that I don't forget that it's there. And um, one of the things that this has highlighted is the lack of organization amongst civil society. And not just civil society, but the lack of organization and coordination um, together, you know? So what ends up happening is that you might have 10 people, 10 different groups of people having a mental health training on the same topic, right? And I'm not saying that each of those trainings aren't valuable. It's just that a lot of energy and time goes into those areas. And if it was more coordinated and maybe one or two people have a training at two different times, yeah? And then we use the rest of that energy to maybe promote it or to you know raise awareness about it. But what ends up happening is that you have 10 trainings, you have 10 different organizations, and each of them are using their minimal amount of energy to bring maybe 20 or 30 people to their trainings, which is still really good, right? Um, I do believe, and I, I mentioned this earlier, at Google I.O., they were talking about the role that organization plays in social change, right? And organization, cu the curation of information, um, which is really sometimes the heart of everything that we're doing. If you're asking someone to you know change their, their um, environmental impact uh you know you you're doing that through the dissemination of information you know i do think information is at the heart of all of this and i i believe in this statement i was going to start a hashtag last year called list save lives you know like lists they save lives list save lives like you literally had um, lists coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic telling people things about different types of information that they needed to know, different places where they could find different information, and then you found lists were connecting to lists. And um, that's really the heart of what I think um, is necessary as civil society partners, is that we need to work together to curate lists. Um, not just lists, but like organize information. We need to work together to, to be aware. That's what the list does. When you have a list, that you go to the grocery with, you know, you know what's on it, you know what you have to get, and you might even know how much you have to spend. If if we as a network actually started to really share what we're doing, you know, for example, like what we're doing in the Slack platform, we really started to share and discuss what our plans are in an open way, in a non-competitive way, because it is competitive. Yeah. I do think that nonprofits and NGOs are almost positioned against each other, to compete with each other. So um, I do think that type of collaboration on information, um, if we were to really get to a point where we are willing to lose an opportunity just so that we could actually improve the system by combining forces, when that 
type of work is being done where we're willing to say, hey, look, I may not get this grant, or you might approach another organization and say, hey, let's go after this grant together, you know, but that's not what we've been seeing. And I think that's what we need to see more of. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I can't help but agree with you. I, I attended a meeting a couple of weeks ago and someone made a really powerful statement saying that collaboration is the new currency. And I think that definitely has a lot of weight. And just to give our listeners a sense of what you were talking about with the Slack platform, the UNIC is coordinating, has coordinated what we call our Sustainability Network of Caribbean Civil Society. It's a virtual community that we are in the process of creating um, and supporting a virtual community of civil society, Caribbean civil society allies that is supposed to encourage and facilitate direct connection between the UN um, in the Caribbean and uh, our civil society partners, as well as direct connection between and among civil society organizations in Trinidad and Tobago and throughout the rest of the Caribbean. So that's an exciting project that we're working on. Stay tuned for more information on that. Maria, this has been great. It's been really informative, enlightening and inspiring. On behalf of the United Nations Information Center for the Caribbean area, thank you so much for being with us. This podcast series is produced and presented by the United Nations Information Center for the Caribbean area the voice of the United Nations in the Caribbean. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please leave a comment to let us know what you thought. For more content in this series and to find out more about our partnership with civil society, subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media at Caribbean UN.